Celtics Reddit podcast. This is your very rare host, Wayne Spoony. I am rolling solo, at least from the Celtics Reddit side. Uh, but I've got a very special guest here with me. He's a now friend of the pod, as this is his second time on the podcast. I'm here with Matt Penny of the Game Theory Podcast. Penny, how you doing tonight? Um, great. Celtics, uh, they're not up, but it's one-to-one. It feels like we're up. We're riding some yeah. momentum. So life is good over here. And just outside Boston. How are things with you? You're in a Celtics t-shirt, so you're clearly in the spirit as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful day down here in Morgantown, West Virginia. You know, the birds were chirping. Celtics win. Almost so heaven. I, that's perfect. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Our basketball team isn't anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll actually get to an XWVU star. Well, star freshman in a little bit, but... Um, so you said on the game theory pod, you were actually at game two. Is that right? I was, and I was, uh, I don't want to say I was a bad fan, but <laughs> with going to throughout the year, I, I am a good fan, but, uh, right. from going to a lot of college games and, and most Saturdays, Sundays, I'm kind of like tied by the TV, multi-screen or whatever. And, and obviously I keep tapping Celtics and watching, but I hadn't gone to the garden. There was two or three yeah. times during the year where I couldn't do it. I went a few weeks ago for Disney on ice with my son. But to go for an actual Celtics game and a playoff game that mattered, yeah. I had the late call to the bullpen about 2 p.m. One of my friends said, hey, I got a ticket. You want to go? I said, I need to clear up the boss, text my wife. And she said, yeah, you're good. So luckily, a couple of my friends went too, and it was uh, it was electric in there. It was awesome. And uh, it's always great when you start a game up like 18 to 3. Uh, yeah, so you didn't fun. need like a, a buzz because everyone was like going nuts anyway. <laughs> and then to knock down some shots and Jalen Brown to become Superman. That was fun to see in person. Yeah, so, uh, like, drunk level, are we talking, like, Marathon Monday, like, pretty drunk, but everybody's got to work the next day, or are we, like, full St. Paddy's Day, somewhere uh, in between? Like, me? No, the beers no, are $15.75, so I did one, and I'm like, I don't know, man, I need some cab fare to get home. <laughs> the crowd, it was, the crowd. They were into it, they were, and we were looking for a watering hole before the game, and sure. we found a parking spot, and everything was packed, so we just went to the arena early, we got inside at, like, 6.15 for a 7 o'clock tip, and... It was back. People were getting after it. They were. Their time went on. So it wasn't quite the marathon Monday at BC where it's like you do the night before, just power <laughs> yeah. through and sleep on Monday night to Tuesday. Right. But it was probably like a, an 8.1 on the marathon Monday level. And That's beautiful, man. Yeah. That sounds like a blast. I've never been to a playoff game, but I've had plenty of garden experiences, but never a playoff game. So I'm very jealous. The last game I went to, I actually saw... Tatum hang 50 in DC and that was the opposite of an electric atmosphere. (laughs) Yeah, it was a great game for a Celtics fan, but the atmosphere was like bizarre. The lights were super bright. That's when like NBC Washington zooms in on like the four fans in the crowd wearing Celtic stuff, like waving the towel. Like (laughs) back to that guy, he's going nuts. (laughs) All right. Anyway, but enemy enemy territory and and doing that and having your star perform is always a a nice feeling too. Because it's worse walking out wearing the jersey of like the team that just lost by 30. Uh, yeah. I was also lucky enough. I went to the Patriots Falcon Super Bowl and I'm wearing like my Patriots stuff. I'm like, this yeah. is going to be a bad walk. <laughs> so bad. And, and it turned. So I don't know. Maybe it's some type of uh, Boston lucky charm there. 
it turned is an all-time understatement yeah. about that game. But nonetheless, <laughs> we should probably actually talk about game two uh-huh. here and what if happened. All right, so we've got a Reddit comment here. I'll hit you with this one, and it's kind of a joke comment, so let me set the table Sorry. for you. Uh, actually, it was a post. User Jambato underscore five. What if we just double down on taking threes the next game? And he says we should shoot 65, 70, go full Rockets Harden era on them. Uh, Maury ball, totally. But I ask you a slightly less insane question. Like the Celtics have shot 53s in back to back games here. Yeah. How sustainable is it to shoot that many threes and have a successful offense, especially when you look at the Celtics? It's not like, you know, we're starting five Duncan Robinsons, right? Right. Well, it, it's it's layered because there's also like the hot hand fallacy like that doesn't sure. exist. Like every shot is independent of itself. But if the shots are there based on ball movement, it wasn't like the Phoenix Suns of yesteryear was what was seven seconds or less or nine seconds yeah. or less. They want to get up and. And Chuck, it wasn't that. It was really good ball movement and getting clean looks. I never felt like, okay, Derek White brought it up. He advanced it and Tatum chucked it. The next time we came down and Pritchard's in the wing, it was all like still nuanced. It was still like running stuff and, and getting like an even better look. So when you're taking 100 threes in two games or 97 yeah. threes in two games, but you're hitting at, I think they shot 43% last game. They made more threes last game than Milwaukee took. They yep. made 20. Milwaukee took 18. You keep doing that as long as the offense allows you to do that, and you're not forcing it just to like get up threes for getting up threes' sake. Yeah, and I mean, I think we've moved beyond the like you can't win with threes, right? The Warriors murdered that uh, <laughs> that opinion, I think. And there's something to a three going up off the catch, wide open after three, four, five passes. Exactly. I don't know what it is, but there's the like the goofy like the ball has energy it's true man like i believe that those threes just go in more often uh and that's how they were playing i mean they had that one well actually let me ask you this they clearly found some gaps inside because they were moving the ball so well yeah. shooting it so well there was that one crazy play that gave me anxiety because we almost passed out the 24-second shot. Oh, the Horford, clock. right? The and sneaky one? Tatum, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tatum hit Horford, and he, yeah. like, one movement laid it in. So how do we generate more of those close shots? Because Milwaukee, obviously, their entire defense is stacked up to stop that. And you can't make seven passes and get a layup every time down against them. Like, do you think maybe more post-ups? Or are we just, like, going to have to hit our threes, and that's how we win this series? I don't want to overthink it. Maybe a few more post-ups to start, and they ran some of the offense through Al Horford. And I, I talked about Grant Williams, and we talked about the Jays. And Al Horford's also, like, I know it's weird because he's older, but he, like, stirs the drink a lot of making that offense oh, go. Time. He makes really smart decisions. Even if it's just, like, a shot fake and one dribble, and you get a guy shifting, then it's the next pass. He takes a step to recover. You hit it opposite, and, and then you're moving. And then you're playing basketball. Yep. So if the Celtics are hitting at 43%, I also think naturally that's going to open up with guys closing out hard to stop that because they're contested a lot more in game one than game two. So if Milwaukee kind of overreacts to that, just organically you're going to get some more open looks from the post. I don't think that based on a, a big win where they weren't as good in the second half, but they were a, a juggernaut in the first, that we completely rip up the game plan and say, let's get Robert Williams a, a post touch to start the game. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and I also wouldn't want to get Giannis going defensively too. Because he can be also a guy that, like, he gets a block and you see in his head, like, 
I'm ripping it off the the rim for rebound. I'm pushing. I'm going downhill. I'm pump faking. I'm extending and scoring. Like, however we can slow him down and make that more of a half court game, the better it's going to be for the Celtics too. Yeah, and you know, it seems like threes carry him off the rim a lot harder, and the Bucks yeah. have all these like huge dudes around the rim. So I almost feel like you're bet. You almost may get more offensive rebounds and second chances. If you're shooting a lot of threes, then if you know you're getting blocked or you're if you miss a layup against this team, Giannis is going the other way. I mean, right. there's just no way to stop it. So at least with threes, there's sort of that randomness that it might go crazy off the rim and bounce to Derek White or something too. So yeah, I just think how they yeah you're you're hitting on it like how they are playing defense. We're just gonna have to shoot. I mean, there's no way around it really. And the way it shook out too, and the last time I was on here, were it was the it was like dire, right? It was like, do we trade? Do we trade Jalen Brown? Do we trade Marcus Smart? And they didn't. Yeah. They just they made a few micro moves, right? You, you move. You called it though. You uh, called the uh, Derek White I, a little bit, but my point is like it was almost addition by subtraction too because it yeah. opened up more of the offense. Derek White didn't score last night, but he had I think five rebounds, five assists, and he was a big part on the floor. But I never thought he was going to shoot. But he can shoot, so it was still right. respected like a little bit. So when that guy came out to him. It was always like the hot potato one pass, and it wasn't like, I don't know what to do. It's like he knew and processed that, like, the next pass to Jason Tatum, if a guy goes out on him, like, he can also self-create and hit something in the mid-range. Jalen Brown had two of those in the first half from, like, that right elbow, mm-hmm. the one he made Grayson Allen fall. And I, and I try <sighs> not filthy. to – I'm a Boston fan. I, I try to be, like, net neutral. But when he fell over, I stood up and, like, put my hand up, like, here we go, <laughs> hit it. So we, we're still allowed to have some of those moments. I'm not in a press oh, yeah. box. I didn't have a press pass. I was in Loge 11 or whatever. So I, I was able to just enjoy that, too. Yeah, and I will say about White, too, is when the ball's moving like that, the defense doesn't have time to think in their head, like, oh, that's Derek White. I don't need to close out hard. Yeah. They're just scrambling and trying to get to him. And White is so good at, like, it's at, almost as he catches it. He's driving. Oh, it's already gone or something. Yeah. That, like the decision's yeah. made. And it's not exactly. like one of those sometimes guys on on both the, the front court and the back court, they predetermine what the move's going to be. It's like he sort of does that, but like on the fly. Like right. intellectually speaking. It's not like, ah, I'm going to go right and spin back. It's like he's already thinking, if I do that and that guy fakes, I'm going to spin and like hit the corner. And, and that's a benefit of, of having him out on the floor despite the scoring not being there. And it made up for. You miss Marcus Smart. You miss that defense down the other end, but you make up for it offensively and don't get some of those errant threes at times that Marcus Smart can shoot. The offense can be a lot smoother, too. Yeah, and I mean, I think I had no problems with the offense. I think we just keep firing away, and we're getting to the point with this defense, man. Like, 04 Pistons, 08 Celtics. <laughs> early 90s Pistons, some team from the 70s I don't know, I'm not aware of. but that <laughs> Some I'm Bob sure Cousy a- team that someone get mad <laughs> yeah. about that we didn't With mention on here as a Celtics podcast. Yeah. How dare you <laughs> not mention Casey Jones? I know. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> but I, I think that, and, and that's a great point. I also just want to like pump the brakes on it too because never. It's, it, it's 1-1 and Milwaukee's really good and they're going to get a home court and if they win by 20 on Saturday, I wouldn't say like, I can't believe this happened. You get through Milwaukee, I I still think it's going to be seven games. This is going to go, and you're not going to have these performances where Milwaukee shoots three for 18 from three. Be honest, it was great, but he's slow to start, and some of those baskets, yeah. he, he got late. I, I just want to pump the brakes because if you get through this team, right, 
you're likely running into also a buzzsaw that's either Phoenix or, or probably Golden State. I don't want to get too crazy, but like Phoenix is a, a master course on pick and rolls, and now Devin Booker is knocking down threes again, and you close out too hard on CP3, and oh, here's DeAndre Ayton. He can take some threes now. So until we get there and stop those guys, I don't want to like anoint this as the, the Ben Wallace Pistons. But it's exciting. It's good to see the rotations almost like a, a college shell drill that like seems corny when yeah. you're doing it. It's like, oh, yeah, we're closing out. Everyone's together. But there's this interconnectedness that I didn't really envision early in the year. I don't know if just people have bought in more and emails gone through to them or if they just said, hey, look, we're at a crossroads. We're going to stink or we have the personnel to be really good. And they said, let's just go this way. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's not not that you know for good reason you didn't buy into it. I guess I'll say, and I didn't either. I mean, when we had you on last, it mm-hmm. was the day after the R.J. Barrett buzzer beater backboard yeah, that goofiness. Was bad. Yeah, it was really bad, and the team just looked. Hor- I mean, this is like unrecognizable on the defensive end from that team. It was like the switch flipped, even like. A lot of credit goes to like the trade deadline and Schroeder getting out of here and especially Cantor Freedom getting out of here. <laughs> um, but they were actually playing pretty damn well right before the trade deadline, too. So it really was just for whatever reason, man, part of it, I think, was schedule. But th- this defense, it really reminds me of those 08 Celtics where they're just flying around. Everybody knows their job. And I think what's so powerful is like, who do you attack? Yeah, I there's mean, not there's, just, there's not an easy out. I think I would have told you before the series, Grant Williams. And Grant Williams like was I don't I don't want to say the honest stopper, but he, he made him flustered. He like made him earn it, like all, all the baskets, and they the Celtics were good in that knowing some of Grant's limitations too, like sending the second guy, switching the next time, going under the other one. So Giannis was like constantly seeing different actions defensively. All right, so you're not doing him. They have this great defense. You have defensive player of the year who was out. He didn't even play. He was on the bench. <laughs> yeah. The Celtics played like seven guys. So insert him back in the lineup. And those are, are good problems to have. And it just speaks to like next man up, kind of like Patriots mentality that they were ready to to step in, shorten the bench, and make stops without Smart able to play. Yeah, and you've gone right into the next point I want to hit with you. And that is... We've gone too long without mentioning this Grant Williams game. Mm. And so I got two Reddit comments that are totally rational and totally normal for you. Reddit's normal, right? It, it's always <laughs> yeah. like, sometimes I peek. I'm like, oh, I should go to this site. But go ahead. What we got? Uh, yeah, no, you're doing yourself a favor not going there. But the, the sub is wonderful. We oh, love it, obviously. Yeah. We named our podcast after it. So. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so user Mr. Crincenzi says... Mm. Is it me or is Grant Williams the final boss version of Semi Ojolet and Yavisele <laughs> on the older teams? He's like the guy at the end of Streets of Rage, too, like Sega. Like, that's the guy. It's Grant Williams wearing like a Batman mask in threes and just like you try to get by him, just like bodying up. It's like, what move is that? I don't know. It's a wall. Like, try to get through me. I need Grant Williams to show up in like the M Bison, like red and blues, like. <laughs> military outfit next uh, game but yeah. i've got Goro enough that- from mortal Kombat with four arms <laughs> taking threes from half court he's playing defense like that yeah uh, he he's been everywhere and, and he's outperformed what what i thought probably you thought even people i know that are really big grant williams fans who are both in industry and not i don't think you'd ever say this was the projection when he was drafted people sure. were down on him the, the first few years he was injured he, he bounced around he didn't know what his role was 
uh, I talked about this with Sam Vecini on Game Theory. Like, he didn't hit a three. Was it this year, the first 25 shots, or, or his rookie, rookie. year? Rookie year. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, is this guy ever going to hit three? And now he's like this reliable, can't leave <laughs> him ridiculous. open, he's going to knock it down, which which is progression and growth, and it speaks to both his work ethic and the Celtics developmental system to get him there. Because I, I didn't, I, I'm glad it's worked. I just didn't see this coming when he came out of Tennessee. Yeah, I, I mean, how could you? Didn't he shoot? He shot like 33% from three. He, I mean, a decent free throw shooter, but I mean, this is insane. He's like shooting relocation, step back, pull ups, and stuff like that. I mean, it's just nutty the I, stuff he's I, doing. I just thought positionally he was like a guy without a home, without a position. Yeah. Even when you talk positionless NBA, to me and with most people, it's like, okay, that means six nine with a seven foot wingspan who can just kind of play wherever. Right. Is he a two? Tatum. Is he a five? Like, whatever. Sure. Jason Tatum, 19 years old, too. So for Grant Williams, at 6'7", 240, just like by the eye test, it's like, how does this guy fit on an NBA floor? Guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo, who looks like he was built in like an NBA lab. Like, respectfully, right. like if you're building an NBA player, he probably looks and moves like Giannis. And Grant Williams found a way to neutralize him. He did. And it yeah. was still using his head and his brain, but sliding, bodying up, showing different looks. And it wasn't like, okay, let's put him in to use the five fouls. He was good defensively, and then he has 21 points on 6 of 9 from 3 down the other end. So if you do that as a two-way guy, and you're what, like, what option are, are you, I mean, we talked about what guy do you pick on defensively. Offensively, like, you're, you're marking or, or manning or shading on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to start, and then you're probably, like, going over, like, a little bit on Horford. So if, if he's, like, the fourth option out there, and that's the way he's playing, that just benefits the Celtics even more. Yeah, and I uh so at the end of that I fancy myself a bit of a writer, Matt Penny. You may not I know that, that, but <laughs> I, I, I uh, you, really yeah. Oh shit! Thanks, man. Awesome. <laughs> um, at last year I uh wrote about Grant because he was really struggling, but at kind of the second half of last year his net rating started getting good and he stopped making shots, and I was like, "What the fuck is happening? <laughs> Where um, are we going here? I need you yeah. to make shots to be good." But exactly. But my my whole point was like, it's a super fit thin line for a guy like that between he's so versatile, he can do all this stuff or he's not quite good enough at anything to do anything. Do you know what I mean? It's like I do. If you're a D minus at everything, you're not an NBA player. You're, but if you're like a C at everything, you're probably pretty. You're valuable. not a jack of all trades or jack of no trades. But I, <laughs> I like it as much as we joke about the, the comment like this is sort of what. I thought when they drafted Gershon Yabuselli, like, this is what he'd be. This is what Semi would be. And even Semi was billed more as, like, a, a shooter, and it didn't happen. And those guys, you can just bounce out of the league so quickly because the, you look at this draft class. There's plenty of guys who are six, seven, six foot eight with no real positions, like, kind of shoot, kind of defend. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit of dime a dozen. So I'm happy it, it's clicked for him. Yeah, and so... Grant is up for an extension. I know people yeah. don't really want to hear off-season stuff here, but real quick, if just if you had to bet on mm. what his extension looks like, because we had Forsberg on, and I said I'd give Grant four for forty today. Oh yeah, right I, now. I think I would do that. But uh, yeah. I, if he keeps playing like this, and I don't want to say it's one game because he's done it sort of throughout the playoffs, and he's played twenty-eight to thirty minutes. He played thirty-five minutes last game because of the, the minutes crunch with Marcus Smart out. But there's going to be demand. I, I I hope that it's still. Obviously, I hope he stays with Celtics. Let's let's be abundantly clear yeah. for that. I don't know what the cap number is when you, you've paid the two Jays. Al Horford's hit. Robert Williams, who just extended. That Derek White's not a small contract. So I don't know how that fits. I'm not a capologist. But 
I do, my wish would be that he knows that how he plays on both ends fits the best here. You, you go yeah. somewhere else and the expectations, if you get 20 million, 18 million, whatever crazy number, and somebody could overpay, like it, it happens all the time, right? The expectation level for him to be like the number two guy or, or like a hard number three guy is going to be even more so than it is now. He doesn't necessarily have that pressure. Just make open shots, play some defense, keep a simplified game within that like flow of the offense. When you become the focal point, just it, it's a different game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we'll see. Luckily, Horford comes off the books when Grant's extension would kick in. So it yep. actually kind of, from a salary perspective, fits pretty nicely there. But regardless, we'll see. It's the playoffs. Who but, gets even Hor- but even Horford, too, right? <laughs> like, it was always said that last year or two was going to be dicey. Like, three years yeah. ago, it's like, oh, he's injured. And now I, I think he's like the engine for this thing. I know he's not the most talented, but this is paying off. And we're seeing another kind of questionable contract with James Harden and that's not and he, he's banged up it takes time but it's interesting to kind of like mirror those two against each other and say like how did we go right and, and they went wrong and like is Horford overpaid yeah yeah, well, yeah I'm not he sure is. by how, how much though yeah now, like how but that much was, but that was also like the initial overpay before Philly overpaid him right was right. like the domino of we gotta get Horford so people know that this is like a real thing. Mm-hmm. We'll overpay for him, and then more guys will come. And it's been a million trades since then, and this is like the <laughs> kickback reunion tour. So let's not act like this is a linear movement. But hey, we're we're back as a happy family in Boston. The band's back together, yeah. baby. Um, all right, let's look at uh, game three. Uh, game three, real quick. I know Celtics Jay is having Adam Taylor the of Celtics blog on tomorrow. They'll probably dig in a little deeper, but well, we can touch on it real quick. I've got a. Reddit comment here from Southern Upstate, and it, actually it's a post, and he says, "Thank you, Godsmack." And if that means nothing to you, Penny, it's because the reason this game has such a big, uh, so many days in between Game Two and Game Three is because of Hogfest in Milwaukee, and the headliner is Massachusetts band Godsmack. Oh, lead singer which, Sully Erna, right? Yeah, uh, yes, that, sir. That's deep, and uh, yeah, that was um, what was the lead. They had that MTV show. Was it Fear? When he was like, uh, that was like the intro song. Was that so? Thank you, Godsmack. I didn't know that it was a, a hog fest, and thank you Reddit for for letting me know. And I appreciate the rest. The only kind of downfall is like, did that give Chris Middleton or like recovery time to to get back? But the other side of is of it is Marcus Smart is yeah. now coming out and saying he thinks he's going to play. So I think that's hopefully Smart's a much further along than Middleton, and we don't get any Middleton. Oh, do you really want to integrate Middleton in the middle of like one of the most intense and physical series in you know the last couple of years for the Celtics at least? I don't know. That's kind of a risky move, but they probably would just because he's so good. Yeah, and they they need force spacing. They need guys to shoot threes, even if he's running for three point line to three point line. And the Celtics are very smart, and offensively they would hunt him down to just try to wear him out. But health is yeah. going to be first. If he's not one hundred percent, and they they won a championship, I don't think he's going to really exactly. rush it back either. Yeah. They're good. They've got. They can definitely compete next year too, and probably the year after. So they're no no rush. Uh, so one thing the Bucks have been doing that has been very unique in the NBA is starting three bigs. Yeah. Uh, and that lineup against the Celtics has a sixty offensive rating mm-hmm. after two games, which is like me and Penny could go out there <laughs> and maybe get to a fifty offensive rating. Like sixty is god awful. Yeah. Um. So do you think they adjust? You think they they I don't know, bring in 
Grayson Allen to start or Pat Connaughton to start, or do you think they just stick with it? Because I believe they're the defense is pretty insane with those three, though. I could see just after game two trying to do like a, a little bit of minor tweak inserting one of the guys in the starting lineup because they did come out so slow. And a lot of it was the Celtics shooting. It's not like they were killing him in the post or anything. But starting that extra big is also just giving Giannis a little bit of a, a breather defensively and not that he takes plays off, but you don't get beat up as much down the defensive end. He can camp out of the wing, guard somebody else, switch a little bit more. Uh, but but they're kind of dealt the, the Chris Middleton thing, so they're, they're dealing with it real time too. And Grayson Allen wasn't great. Like Pat Connaughton was actually sneaky, like six for seven from the field during that game. So so maybe he's like the the guy they need offensively to get going to start too. Grayson Allen's, I hate to say this, is going to pain me. Uh, he's kind of impressed me defensively though, and I think he's probably a little better on that end than Pat. So it's a give and a take because Grayson Allen's so hot and cold offensively. Who the hell? They don't have a good answer. That's why they're starting Bobby Portis at the three. Right. I guess, right? Yeah, he rolled out. I was like, what is that, Bobby Portis? Yeah. If you combine, if you combine Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton, that, that's probably the answer. But unfortunately, I don't think they have those. Scientific capabilities yet? <laughs> Not yet. Maybe that. at the Milwaukee Hog Fest. This, that's like the best thing. I'm glad I did this because like I, I'm going to research this as soon as we're done. That's great because everyone oh, yeah. knows like why is there so much time? Yeah, it's Hog Fest. How do you not Hog know that? Fest. What's on the pod? Ha- hashtag Hog Fest, yeah. baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, sounds like some UMass parties I went to back in the day. <laughs> Hold anyway. our hoe down the Hog Fest. <laughs> yeah, that's damn right. Uh, all right, we won't tell old war stories. Nobody wants to hear that from two thirty-year-old men. That's another <laughs> pod. Yeah, exactly. That one's a paywall. <laughs> no one will pay for yeah. it, but regardless. Um, so one thing that scares me, I'm asking you to calm my anxiety Ooh. here, Penny. Okay. At the end of the game, they got a lot of easy buckets using Giannis as a screener. Yeah. Where we clearly were just like, fuck it, Grayson. <laughs> like, go score. We don't care. We're not letting Giannis beat us at the end of the fourth quarter here. So how do you combat that? Like, pre-switch it. We ran Tatum at the two mm-hmm. for a little bit uh, in game two, and that was actually a really successful little run for that lineup, which is not something I can remember happening this season. So do you think maybe we go a little bigger or we just trap the ball handler and try to stop the pass to Giannis? I mean, what do you think we can do? A little bit of, of all that. When there was that flagrant foul and Grayson Allen had the missed free throw, what I always look for is after a hard foul or, or yapping or – or whatever, the guy's free throw line, the next time I touch the ball, I'm like, he's shooting. He's going yeah. because you're frustrated, like, I'm going to get mine now. And he did. Yeah. He got a screen. That's when he went to the basket and finished. Mm-hmm. I, I would more so, and I was talking to one of my friends who's way more uh, basketball savvy than I am. And it's like, you almost, not that you want to let those guys do that, but I'd rather just like focus more on stopping Giannis and then deal with like everything else. Make sure he doesn't get hot. Make sure he doesn't get to the free throw line. Has his 25, 12, and in six and, and three blocks and, and slow him down, whatever you have to do, and then still defend and pre-switch and show the other guys different looks. But the number one thing always has to be stop and star. And for that guy, I mean, he just makes him go. I mean, even when, when he gets downhill, it's like comical how he won't like cross over to his left. It's a, it's here, then it's back. And it's like Austin Powers, like trying to turn the car in the hallway. Like that's just how he like goes to the rim. But, but it's, but it's like so hard to stop. And when he's getting like that head of steam in transition, and everyone clogs the middle. That's when he starts spraying out the shooter. So, like, that's why Grant Williams was so good. We didn't let him get so many of those opportunities. And they did that inverted pick and roll where he was coming off stuff, too, to create. So just continue to show him different looks and, and close out to their shooters, and I think we'll be okay. The defense is so locked in that 
I also don't want to like put too much stock into like, what do we change? You, you still played a great game defensively. Third and fourth quarter, the wheels fall, fell off a little bit. When you're up 25, 30 points, that just happens naturally too. Yeah, and I, honestly, I thought a lot of it was fueled by missing shots and them getting out in transition too. And frankly, Giannis getting a pretty friendly whistle on some of these. But well, that's why I like watch at home. Sometimes you miss it because like I knew they reviewed a lot of fouls, and I thought he got away with some. And then during timeouts, I'll scroll Twitter, and, and people were like going nuts, like outraged about some of the stuff. And I was like, "Look, we're up twenty. Like, don't rock the boat. Let's just win the game yeah. and get out of here." Yeah, no, I get it, but I I can't help myself. I'm like Tommy, man. I grew up on Tommy Heinsohn. I can't like oh, I oh, this, <laughs> this oh, yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me Ford. tell you something about this ref. Yeah, rest in he peace. Hated. He was everybody's uncle, man. He was the best. I, I know he was. Him and Mike, dude. I'm gonna be uh, so sad yeah, when me Mike too. Mike Gorman. Him. I just yeah. feel like he's gonna do it forever. I know, right? I hope he does. But anyway, before we we move to your bread and butter, we're gonna get into a little draft talk. Yeah. Give me a prediction on the series. What do you think? I started with season six. I was going to stick to that until we lost that third game. So what do you think? Um, going Celtics in seven. I am back on back on home court. Milwaukee's going to come back. It's going to be Haymaker on Saturday, post hog fest from the Bucks. I think we're going to get there. <laughs> I think we're going to get their best game. I, I do. And the, the crowd's going to be ready to go. They, mm-hmm. They've been there. They're, they're battle tested. They're not going to shoot the, the way as poorly as they are. If they split there, then you're you're two and two. You're you're trading fights, and I think game seven, Celtics end up winning by like seven or eight points. Love it, love yeah. it. I'm not sure I can physically survive a seven game series <laughs> here, but uh, as long as they're advancing, yeah. uh, so I actually I reached out to you, you know, schedules and stuff like that, and uh, to get you on. Mm-hmm. And actually, the timing's perfect because in between us touching base and you coming on. The Celtics decided to schedule four workouts for yeah. draft prospects. Which is and great if, because I didn't even know until you told me. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, really? great. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. I knew the guys, but I didn't know they had the workout. Right. Yeah. And uh, if if anyone does not know your work, Penny is very much a draft guy. It's what him and Sam focus on most in Game Theory Pod. For my money, you two are the best draft follows on Twitter by far. Thank you, man. Uh, because you're normal human beings uh, that, that that's, are funny. We try we try to be normal. The funny thing comes and goes, but we just try to be dudes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I love your guys' coverage. You're basically the only two draft guys I follow, and I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Um, but I don't really dig in until the season's over because, yeah. you know, it's just not my thing. But so C's brought in four guys. All we've got is I think it's the 53rd pick, which obviously is not a high-value pick. But you can find dudes yeah, down there. Always. I'm yeah, and there's a lot of undrafted guys in the league. Like, Wes Matthews is playing his balls off and doing a pretty good job on both ends. He was undrafted. So, you can't just throw away these late picks. And the Celtics brought in some guys. I think most all these guys have a type, uh, just like all their two-way guys did. Right. And they're, like, bigger wing types. Uh, so... I'm just going to get your thoughts. This is where I'm going to lean on you, Penny, uh, and and give us a little, give the Celtics Reddit listeners a little breakdown on who these guys are, what we should be looking for for these guys. And the first person they brought in is actually an old WVU uh, alumni, well, half alumni. He transferred the bastard. He did get redshirted after a decent freshman season, so it's a little weird. Yeah, I know where we're going (laughs) with this one. Yeah, Teddy Allen, a.k.a. Teddy Buckets. New Mexico State. What's the breakdown on Teddy? Well, he, he's a West Virginia alum. He's also an alum of four other schools. He's been to five schools yeah. in five years. 
Teddy is an electric watch. He is. And he was awesome for New Mexico State with almost 20 points per game during the season. They won an NCAA tournament game. He's also in the transfer portal, which is like a, a new wave of thing. Guys declare and say, hey, but if not, yeah. I'm not coming back to school. I'm going somewhere else. Great. Very, very tough to follow. He wants to be the man. He, he wants the ball in his hands, and he can really fill it up. But you have to live and die with that wild shot selection. So he needs more stability as a second-round guy that I feel comfortable taking because he's going to be a role player at best. And, and the way that he's such a high-volume shooter and the way he wants the ball in his hands is high usage. That doesn't always necessarily translate. He's going to have to answer some questions about the many transfers that he's had, and I guess another <laughs> one coming up here. But an interesting name, and somebody that could be a microwave scorer in the right situation. Yeah, he's got talent. Absolutely. You know? and, Undeniable. Uh, so. like, he's just, he just does not want to buy in. At least that was my you know meatball breakdown of Teddy when I watched him at WVU. But when he's hot, man, it's fun to watch. Well, that's why I like that. the New Mexico State thing works. You go down a level, yeah. and you're able to perform. Like I don't know necessarily. Well, I do know. Bob Huggins isn't going to let you do that. Like You're going to buy yeah. in and play defense, and you leave. As Oscar Sheboy, who was National Player of the Year, it didn't work there. He said, hit the road. It's, it's his way, and I admire that, that you're going to play this system, this style. Those guys don't work. They go into the next guy, and that, that just gives me some hesitation for Teddy Allen. How's that work in the NBA? Because it's, it's more like that. You're going to go into a place that has three to four stars. At, at best, you're going to be 10th man. So you have to learn to like live within what your expected role is. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Teddy has shown me nothing to indicate he's willing to play a role. So I would say we probably won't be seeing Teddy Buckets. Probably name. not. But if he averaged 25 <laughs> points per game overseas, like I'm not going to bat an eye either. Like that makes sense. Oh, no. He feels like a Euro League star. Euro League sure. slash Summer uh, League. He also put up 20 yeah. games in Summer League in the right, in the <laughs> and, right place. And, and people like, see, like, should have been a pro. You guys yeah. blew it. Like, did we? The Josh Selby when he was like oh, Summer Polo League Yo. MVP. Josh yeah. Selby. He was so good in high school. That's that's another yes. podcast, too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so next guy they brought in is a kind of goofy name dude from the Bryant Bulldogs, <sighs> Peter Kiss. Yeah, what's you're, going, the, with all the, you're going with all the villains right now. <laughs> he, he he has gusto. He does. And, and that's the top of the, the scouting report on him. He filled it up during the year, too. He averaged 25.2 points per game. He had like 30 points in like eight of his last 10 games or something like that. Oof. But uh, another volume guy. He's at Bryant. He's transferred. He's coming up on his sixth year of college, which I admire. Uh, I don't know if he's got yeah. a master's degree, but it's, it's it's like a combo pack of injury. He redshirted. Everybody got the COVID year like wiped yeah. off. So he's still able to play but he's a sub 30 percent shooter from three and for bryant they they let him kind of do what he needed to and that's how he got to the not the playing game but the first four of the ncaa tournament and they lost uh summer league guy maybe see if it sticks but i, I don't anticipate him getting drafted yeah i i know nothing about him but i he's a six five shooting guard sub 30 from three yeah. no thanks not interested um all right a name that I have not heard before at all uh, is Lucas Williamson from yeah. Loyola, Chicago. What's Lucas's deal here? Has some fans, especially the analytics community, too. Another five-year of college guy. Six foot four guard. <laughs> he shoots around 40% from three, so that, that's a good thing. Has some handle and creation, so he can like make his own shot. It's not like he needs a ton of down screens and pin downs to, to get a look. He can go off the dribble and step back. He was not great in the NCAA tournament. You don't want to judge a guy just on yeah. a game or two, but he had four points on one of ten from the field, and he went cold from three overall during March. So if that's going to be your calling card, that's going to be figured out a little bit. Also an older guy outside of my top 60, so would would have to earn his way in through a training camp. Yeah, that doesn't sound super appealing to me. <laughs> this last name, though, 
uh, you were, I mean, I just remember you and Sam talking about this guy at the beginning of the year quite a bit, and I actually sought out a couple of his games, and he's got some athletic ability, he's got some scoring talent, and that's Julian, if you're, if, when you hear me say this name, if you don't know who this guy is, you will never spell this correctly, <laughs> but it's Julian Champagny, Correct. uh, for the St. John's Red Storm, and he just seems like he can shoot it a little bit. He's athletic. How off base am I? No, you're good. And a twin, right, and a twin brother. Me. They're from New York. They played at yeah. Under Armour Circuit, so I saw them play extensively from 16U onwards. I've seen the progression development. Almost back-to-back seasons of 20 points per game. What he declared last year and did pre-draft, he had terrible measurements. Uh, he was very bad athletically. Just the the verticality, the height, the wing, the wing wingspan didn't really like work out for what you'd think the archetype of that type of player is but i, I really like his toughness i do he, he has a lot of that like bully ball drives and he shoots 34 percent from three uh he makes it more of like an uphill climb not being the shooter that, like like all these other guys that we're talking about yeah. here and he takes 15 shots per game like st john's needed to be really good he did it with the with the scoring uh they were middle of the pack team i do like his rebounding for the position He's a tough, tough kid, but those measurables aren't like helping him sway him that favor. I had him in the 40s early in the year. I slid him down. He is in my top 60 just at the tail end of it. So he has a chance. I'm, I'm not like totally writing him off. Somebody that, that I think makes sense of these guys to be a, a potential pick at 53. Those other ones, I'd be surprised. But yeah, maybe. Like maybe. That, that's a guy I'd happily put on my summer league roster and see if it works. Yeah. And I mean, that's what we're looking at here, right? Just summer league guys and you never know but when you hit one of these late picks it is such a boon to your team man like getting some guy in the 53rd pick that you lock into like a mil a year for four years i mean look at max Struess on the heat oh, look, he's making yeah. like a million dollars max started. austin reeves for the lakers started then the year yeah. he went undrafted I, i'm just being such like a draft guy and such a celtics fan i want them to draft and keep the guy who they drafted and, and yeah. they've made like some trades and it's almost like I had the same reaction of, and being a New England-based, semi-based guy, I'm sure, did you see the Patriots video of, uh, so Mac Jones had a bunch of players over his house, so the, they, <laughs> yeah. they filmed it, and when Belichick traded down, like, what are we doing, day. man? What? And that's how I feel when the Celtics, like, take a draft and stash, too. I'm like, yeah, oh, Bagran, like, what are we doing? Just take, like, Alondis <laughs> Williams from Wake Forest. Take David Roddy from Colorado State. Take somebody and just, like, try to develop them. Like, get me Austin Reeves. And, and this draft, and we'll know more. The draft lottery is May 17th of where the ping pong balls are going to land and the early pullout date of, of whatever's around there. There's a lot of freshmen right now who are unproven that are like on the fence. Do I go back to school? Do I declare for the draft? Do, am I going to get a promise from someone somewhere like that? If you can take a younger guy, because I don't think that the Celtics, as we see they're playing their best basketball of the year, it's not like, man, we're missing a shooter. Man, we're missing like a big as, right. When they're healthy, that's a good seven, eight man rotation. You'd love to have a little bit more depth, maybe like a score off the bench, but they're not yearning for immediacy. So I'd be okay taking a freshman or sophomore and just hoping it develops over time. Yeah, it looks like they're not targeting that. Unfortunately, all these guys are upperclassmen, yeah. some of which <laughs> they're, they're have been all in our school. age. Like, hey, it's been school <laughs> yeah. seven years. Is that right? <laughs> what? A lot of people go to school for uh, seven years. This dude graduated high school in 07? <laughs> yeah. What? But I uh, do. But I'm with you, and one thing I'll say is talent drain on great teams. We saw it, right? It you know that At one point, we had Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, all these young guys, Mook Morris, Terry Rozier, you know, yeah. 
and then all of a sudden they're gone. So it's so helpful that if you just have prospects in the pipeline and you hit one out of every three, that's basically what Ainge did to get Grant Williams and yeah. get Robert Williams. Yeah, he had his misses with Romeo. I refuse to call Aaron Neesmith a miss. But to be determined. Yeah. 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 But uh, and, it's looking that way. And, and that's the beauty of the G League, too. Like for a while, it was the NBA D League. People thought that was like purgatory, like I'm making 20 grand a year. Right. But it's really been built up. And, and you mentioned Terry yep. Rogier. Terry Rogier is a really good player. And after you got rid of him, it's like maybe that's the guy you keep. He was in Maine for a while. And, and I remember after the pick, talking to people, the Celtics, like, what, what are we doing? They're like, no, no, no. He, he's really good. They really like him. They don't want to rush him along. And then he steps in, and he's scary Terry. He's scoring 20 a game and yeah. gets a big payday somewhere else. But the process and the system has worked and has got better to be like a true minor league AAA where the call-ups are real. And it was the most call-ups ever this season from the G League to the NBA. And some of that was due to COVID and, and what have you and just more flexibility between roster movement. But that's that's why the second round works because those guys can go and actually play and get reps and not sit on the other bench and Watch good games, watch playoff games, but you're not working on yeah. your own individual skill sets. Yeah, and obviously, like Malik Fitz clearly has done, developed those bench celebrations, which is very <laughs> important for 14th, 15th man. A couple more guys that I just kind of have my eye on yeah. as I, I'm just like, draft big wings. See what the hell happens. Just draft big wings late and pray, you know? One one guy, he's got a brother, and mm. him and his brother Larry are they sound like a plumber duo, like <laughs> Pete Nance, Pete and Larry Nance. LLC. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so like Pete I don't know, he's just he's huge, he is, he's yeah. got some ball skills, like he's not nearly as athletic as his brother, but he's not like unathletic. I, what am I missing? Because he's like not on draft boards I've seen or way deep in the second round. So do you have him up higher than that, or does he just have some severe weaknesses? Because I, I don't have not watched. Like yeah, one or two I, I, of his I have him outside the top sixty, but not that yeah. far beyond it. Sam Vecini, who's my podcasting partner, is a big Pete Nance fan. I think he has him maybe like fifties to seventies, somewhere in that area. And he called it out earlier. I think Pete's also in the transfer portal. So any guys we mentioned, <laughs> just just assume they're in the transfer portal or, or getting drafted. He averaged fifteen and seven this year. He has really good size at six foot ten. It's sort of like a, a lesser version of Keegan Murray from Iowa who's going fifth. It, it's like yeah. the discount version of that, so it's to say. Beast. So do you take value in, in taking him undrafted as opposed to Keegan fifth? I, I wouldn't, but Pete has a really nice touch. He can play inside-outside. He's comfortable making plays on the perimeter. Like, they run some offense through him, whether it's pick and pop or out of the high post, do some dribble handoffs. He just has versatility. The foot speed is going to need to improve defensively. Like, who does he actually guard out there? And yeah. guys, guys do adapt to their surroundings as we've seen kind of Grant Williams and people doing like that. So I don't want to write him off completely, but sort of some things to to get over the hump there in order to be drafted and then get on a court for meaningful minutes. I wonder if his move is to bulk up and become a center. Cause he's like a legit six ten, isn't he? Yeah. I no, mean, six, he's six ten. It's a real six ten. And, and yeah. people do kind of point to the development of his brother and no one thought that he kind of be the player that he did. So maybe he's a late bloomer in a sense too. Because yeah. there has been but, some scouts I mean, who said what you did. Like, what am I missing here? Why isn't this guy higher than what he is? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm in bed with a few scouts here. I'm not Perfect. completely insane. Yeah. Uh, so two other guys, Gabe Brown of Michigan State just seems like he could come in, you know, like 12th man that could eat up innings throughout the season, almost like we did with Semi. Yeah. Like, just go out there, be kind of tough on defense. Maybe you go two for five from three once or 
twice a month, you know? And it's yeah. like, hey, not bad for the 53rd pick. That, that's the guy that, that eats all the minutes to get to the playoffs. It's like, all right, man, you're going you're gonna to sit down there. But that, thank you for keeping us fresh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, exactly. I wanted to like him more uh, in the preseason before this year. He was somebody that I thought could project to be a, a second-round guy because I like a shot. He's been around 40% for three for four years, just teetering yes. a little above, a little below. He had 18 points in that elimination game, and they lost to Duke in the tournament. And that floor stretching is an asset, and it's a quick and high release. It's compact form. It looks the right way. He can play fast. He can finish on the break. It's just inconsistency offensively. He had one stretch this year of nine of ten games with single-digit scoring where Michigan State Ooh. was searching. They needed somebody to score. They wanted Max Christie's a freshman to score. They wanted him to step up. They wanted A.J. Hogard, and just it didn't happen. So for him to have the inconsistency and then the size, it's, he's going to have to guard up the lineup to stay in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He doesn't rebound. He averaged under four rebounds per game and this year and, and even lower the few years before that. So training camp, summer league developmental guy. Uh, it's hard to find 6'10 guys that can shoot, but you need to rebound and defend to come off the bench and eat those minutes that you talked about too. Or do one of them. One. Just least, check right? one box. It doesn't have to be all four. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those multiple choice <laughs> questions on the test. Is like, check all that apply. It just has to be more yeah. than one. It can't just be uh, one. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know. Those are always tricky, two too. I, I yeah. never got those right. Always. You got two of three right. It's like, this is a trap. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah. Give me partial credit, <laughs> damn it. Uh, last guy, Kivaluma. As far as I know, he's kind of highly skilled guy, but maybe not a defender. Um, but what's your breakdown on Kivaluma? And I hope I'm pronouncing his I think name it's Keve. I really liked him. A, <laughs> I, I'm saying that it's the same thing for all these guys. I really liked him a year ago. And I thought he'd be a second round guy last year's draft and didn't necessarily have like the jump to get there. Uh, another late bloomer. I like his size, just not the most. It's a little bit of everything, but not like enough to get me like too excited. Uh, it would be a name that sure. I think just based on the nature of, of how long it took him to get to where he is. So he started playing basketball at later age. His best basketball could be ahead of him. Like we, we might have not seen the, mm-hmm. the optimized, maximized version of Keve Luma yet. But them going away from a little bit offensively more this year than I thought they would at Virginia Tech just gave me some pause. Uh, I, I like my, my closing sentence for him, but like everyone else. See you in the summer. See you in Vegas. I, I hope you play well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, we're going out with a bang here on this episode of Celtics Reddit Podcast. Perfect. But Matt Penny, where can the people find you? Where can they get your work? Your, your awesome work. Go subscribe to Game Theory Podcast for sure. It's a wonderful podcast. One of my favorites. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, so yeah, Game Theory Podcast with Sam Vecini on The Athletic. We record once a week. We're doing a lot more stuff with the draft coming up here now. And then subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's a mouthful. It's Sam Vecini. It's Game Theory with Sam Vecini on YouTube. We have the videos. We stream that as we record. We post those. So one of those two. And then uh, I'm on Twitter at Matt underscore Penny. And uh, watching along for Celtics games in, in my living room right behind me. Uh, probably not back at the garden this year, but... As many as I can go to, uh, I'll be and, and watch and rooting along uh, along you, Mr. Spoonie, for, for many high scores right. going forward for the next uh, two weeks, whether it's your Hogfest. <laughs> One day. That's my bucket list now, attending <laughs> Hogfest. So, Penny, thank you so much, man. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me.